Well, today I'm going to continue on uh, our series. We've been talking about kingdom principles, and we started Easter weekend, and we talked, the first principle we talked about was the principle of transcendence from Matthew 6, right? Seek ye what? First. What are we supposed to seek first? The kingdom of God. The, the, the pursuit of the kingdom, putting the kingdom before everything else, under everything else, is the principle of transcendence, where something is in and through and before everything else, and that's the kingdom. The second principle we talked about was the principle of freedom, and how freedom, freedom, biblical freedom, right? Not modern-day freedom, which is the abdication of responsibility. So, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Uh, biblical freedom is the marriage of two things, choice and responsibility right? Choice and responsibility. If you have choice without responsibility, you have anarchy. And if you have responsibility with choice, you have a dictatorship, right? What we have in Christ is the marriage of choice and responsibility. Choose you this day who you will serve, but now we're responsible for our lives after we make the choice to walk in the manner, the Bible says, that is worthy of the gospel. Amen? Choice and responsibility. Then uh, the uh, third principle was the principle of service-based power that Pastor Mark uh, Henshaw talked about while I was gone for a couple weeks. And the fourth principle that we started last week was the principle of the harvest. And uh, the Father is so intent that his kingdom operate according to the principle of the harvest that he has determined that if, if we'll understand how it works, it, it demonstrates how he wants us to be people who live in a blessed world. You know, if you look around you, uh, things grow, and other than maybe doing some weeding or, you know, occasionally having to water, you know, you don't have to stand over your plants and say, grow, will you? Grow, grow, come on, grow. Right? That the principle of growth, the principle of harvest is taken care of by the Lord. And so we're, this is so ingrained in our world, this kingdom principle, that we even have phrases like, you know, seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping, etc., that are designed to articulate this principle in our world. And so the kingdom operates according to the principle of the harvest. And all creation bows to this principle or to this law. Now, when last week, I think there might have been some confusion when I talk about the laws of the harvest. When I talk about the laws of the harvest, I'm not talking about Mosaic law. I'm not talking about law that if you violate it, you're sinning. I'm not talking about a law that you need to follow in order under the old covenant to be right with God, because we all know that we're right with God by Jesus Christ, by grace through faith, right? But when I'm talking about the laws of the harvest, I'm talking about something that is predates Mosaic law. I'm talking about the ordered state of things in the world, and that they are a reflection of the spiritual dimension of the kingdom of God. The fact that, you know, you throw seed into the ground and you get a harvest from that, right? Sowing and reaping is a principle that is rooted in the kingdom of God. Our world operates by this principle so much so, so consistently so, that it's called a law, a natural law. But it's not a law like Mosaic law. It's a law like the law of gravity or the laws of thermodynamics. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? So when we speak about these laws today, we're not talking about a, a, a law that is the foundation for helping us to understand sin and righteousness. No, I'm talking about laws about how life was designed to operate. 
All right, does everybody follow me? So there are seven laws of the harvest that we've talked about. And the first one we talked about last week was we reap only what has been sown, right? We reap only what has been sown. So you only get corn if corn is put in the ground, right? Does everybody understand that? You can't create it in a lab. You can't, you know, somehow wish it into being. You know, you have to sow it into the ground. And when you sow it into the ground, you get corn. And so we don't always necessarily reap what we've sown. That's the beautiful thing about grace, right? There's many things that we get to reap that God sowed when he sowed his son into the earth. When God sent his son, Jesus, the Bible says that unless a seed dies and fall into the ground, that was a reference to Jesus. Unless Jesus dies and he falls and he's deposited into the ground and resurrects to eternal life, then we have no life, right? But the seed did die. It was sown for you and I, and we have reaped from that seed. So we reap eternal life because someone's life was sown, Jesus. So it reinforces the principle of the harvest that we only reap what's been sown. Whether we're the ones that sowed it or whether somebody else sowed it, we get to reap because something was sown. You follow that? Now there's a negative side to that. The Bible says, you know, uh, don't be deceived. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. But by the grace of God, everybody say grace. By the grace of God, because of what was sown by the Father when he sowed his son, there are many things in our past which we sowed that we don't reap for. That's called mercy, right? And there are many things that we didn't sow that we will reap. That's called grace. Amen? How many are thankful for mercy and grace? Hallelujah. <laughs> My goodness. I wanted to clear that up just in case there's anybody confused. So that was the first principle. We reap only what's been sown. And the second principle was we reap the same kind as that which has been sown. So if you put corn in the ground, how many of you know you don't get peas, right? Everybody understand that? And so we, we reap in the same kind as we have sown. And so what that tells me is that if I sow kindness, what should I expect to receive back? Right. If I sow grace, what am I going to receive back? If I sow finances, what will I get back? I find it amazing that so many Christians understand this law and these laws and they see them in nature and they go, yep, that's the way it works. Yep, put corn in the ground. Yep, I got corn back. But then when it comes to the kingdom, it's like they forgot that that's how the world operates. Hello? Do you know why the world operates that, that way? Because the kingdom operates that way. Not the other way around. The kingdom doesn't mirror the world. The world mirrors the design that God gave it in the kingdom. And so if the principle works in the earth, when you put seed in the ground, how many know that it works in a spiritual dimension as well? Amen? This is how it works. Are you getting me this morning? All right. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Well, I'm going to... Oh, my goodness gracious, there's just so much I could go on all day. But I'm going to re stop reviewing. If you didn't hear last week's message, go listen to it. You're especially going to like the ending. You know, it's just that great story there. And, uh, but today I want to move on to law number three. Okay. Law number three, everybody ready for this? We reap in a different season than we sow. Now this is going to make people go, well, come on now. Is that always true? Yep. And I'm going to illustrate. This is another principle of harvest, another law of the harvest that's established in scripture. Okay over and over and over again 
And yet many times we get frustrated when the world and the kingdom operates according to God's law. We reap in a different season than we sow. Where's the first declaration of this in scripture? Genesis chapter eight, verse 22. It says, while the earth remains, how many know the earth is still here? So this is a time when this applies. While the earth remains, how many know that's now, right? While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So has it ended? No. Does the earth remain? Yes. Is there still seed time and harvest? Yes. All right. It hasn't been undone. As long as the earth remains, this is the way it will operate. Are you hearing me? This is the covenant promise God made after he destroyed the earth through the flood. He said, as long as the earth remains, this is what will be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, they shall not cease. Seed time and harvest is, is in God's eyes as guaranteed as summer and winter and day and night. Put in perspective, it shall not cease. Did it go, is the sun going to go down tonight? Yep, then seed time and harvest is as guaranteed as that. There are seasons to how we are to operate. There's a season to sow and there's a season to reap. God declared there are different seasons to life and, and the harvest is one of those things that we need to understand operates by seasons. Rome was not built in a day. Plants do not grow overnight. Athletes don't become strong and proficient in a week. Children don't become adults in a month, even though we'd like them to. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, for crying out loud. You know, and then other times we're like, oh, you're growing up too fast. You know, we make up your minds, parents. Come on, you know. <laughs> uh, wisdom is not gained overnight. I mean, like everything, there's a process of seed time and harvest for all of these aspects of life. Now, where are the expressions of this law of the harvest in Scripture? I'm going to read a few for you. 1 Samuel 1.20. And it came about in due time. Everybody say due time. After Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. Due time. So she uh, became pregnant and in due time, she was able to have a son. Psalm 145, 15. The eyes of all look to thee and thou dost give them their food in due time. Everybody say due time. Due time is an expression of seed time and harvest of there is a season to sow and a season to reap. Psalm 104 verse 27 says, they all wait for thee to give them their food in due season again. Galatians 6, 9, and let us not lose heart or grow weary in doing what is right for in due time, for in due season, it says, I think in the NIV, we shall reap if we do not grow weary or do not give up. In due time, due time, amen? Seed time and harvest. There's a necessity of time for things to grow. Some things grow fast. Other things take more time. My wife, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, she planted a little garden in a planter that our son made for her. And, and it has uh, Nina's garden on it. And then it's got, we planted lettuce in it. And what's the other stuff? Kale. Kale in this thing. Yeah, kale. I'm not a kale fan. Not a kale fan, I gotta be honest. I know it's really good for you, but like a lot of things that are really good for me, uh, I need the grace of God to eat them, you know? So 
She dices it up, puts it in little pieces, and I'm able to eat it, but not a big fan. But the lettuce, oh my goodness, growing your own lettuce. That stuff you get in the grocery store tastes like chemicals. You grow this stuff yourself, mmm. I mean, the lettuce was so good, even the earwigs liked it. It was just phenomenal. And uh, I just walk by my back deck, just grab a leaf of lettuce and be eating it in my backyard, just constantly. Why can I do that? Because there's nobody spraying chemicals on it, no nothing. I can just eat it right off the plant, and away I go. Amen? It's awesome. Love it. But you know what? They took time. They were relatively quick, but she put the seeds in the ground. She went and bought all these packets of seeds, and I was like thinking to myself, is this really going to work? And sure enough, we put it in. The next thing you know, you got lettuce just growing everywhere. It's We got lettuce all over the deck. We got lettuce everywhere. And we're putting bags of lettuce together, giving it away to people and everything else. It just all came from these little teeny seeds. Absolutely amazing. But it's a harvest principle. You sow, and then there's a time to reap. Right? In this case, it was, what, maybe a month apart? A month and a half? We sowed the seeds, and then we reap. Some other seeds take longer. Right? When you have children, how many know that, you know, they're not walking in a week? Hello? If your child walked in a week, I know your, your child's amazing, walked in a week, could speak four languages by the time they were three, do advanced calculus by the time they were five, but my kids were more normal. They, uh, it took some months before they were walking, right? And uh, it, it, it takes time. And so it takes time before they're able to you know, articulate what it is that they want and what they need, and you have conversations, and it's all a wonderful process of time. But, you know, it's, it, we eventually reap if we don't give up. If we sow, the Bible says train a child. In other words, sow into a child when they're young, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. There, but there's, there's a lot of time in there, right? There's a time in there where they, they grow and they discover and they understand who they are, and they come into the full fruition of that. So there's, this is expressed all over in Scripture, but there's, there's time involved. And this is a necessary thing. I want to lead, read you an extended portion of Scripture that talks about this in a very poetic fashion, and you've probably all heard it before from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And it says this, There's an appointed time for everything. There's a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. You know, there's an appointed time for everything, and there's so much nuance that, in there that we could go into, but it, what it shows us is that everything in life operates and functions according to times and seasons. And this is a kingdom principle. It's a law of harvest, but it's not a mosaic law, like I said. It is a law about how the world operates. God may have created the earth with things already in process just as he created the stars, put them in the sky with the light already en route and all the rest of it. But from day one of creation on, everything operates according to the kingdom principle of seed time and harvest, of something having to be sown and something having a time to be reaped. Time is needed for growth and maturity 
in the biological, the zoological, the social, the spiritual, the mental, the athletic, economic areas of life. Everything needs time. It needs time. So, okay. We reap in the same kind we sown, and we are reap in a different season than we sow. Well, let's look at some ways in which this impacts us as Christians. Number one, when we do not see the immediate results, we often think that we on the negative side, have gotten away with something because I didn't reap anything. You know, I did something wrong and, ooh, nothing happened. No, you know, the Bible says, be sure. What? Your sins will find you out. There's a payday coming. But on the wonderfully positive side, right, uh, we think sometimes that God has forgotten us. God hasn't forgotten anything. Every seed you've ever put in the ground has a harvest on it. And God has seen that seed and God is going to produce a harvest. Amen? Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11 and 12 says, Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of sons and men among them are given fully to do evil. Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, still I know that it will be well for those who fear God and who fear him openly. Romans eight twenty five: For if we hope, for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And so after waiting patiently, Hebrews 6, 15, Abraham received what was promised. Amen? James 5, 7, and 8, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield a valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. Yet you too be patient, stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Seed time and harvest can be separated by months, years, sometimes even decades. The results are not always immediate. There's not always an indication that an action is going to produce a harvest. But God has not forgotten your prayers and your seed that you have sown. Someone say amen. He has not forgotten. Now, the second problem we come up to where this is practical is this, this principle stands in contrast to modern thinking, right? Our society is given over to instant gratification, right? We don't want to invest in something that takes time to produce for our benefit. Even marriage should get better as the years go by. Hello? And how does it get better as the years go by? By investment, right, Tom? Tom says, yeah, just ask Jolie. She can tell you all day long all the investment I'm making her over and over again. That's why she's got a smile so broad her face is about to crack. It's because of investment. Amen? Amen? Come on now. You, you, see anybody, you see anybody that's happily married after 25 years, there's some serious investment took place there. That's how it works. It works by investment. Similarly, relationships don't just fall apart. They 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 disintegrate because of lack of investment, right? There needs to be investment. And so what happens is that, you know, we make a few investments while we're dating and then we get married and we just think that the investment we made while we're dating should be enough for a lifetime journey, right? No, it, it, you know, you got to continue to invest and when you invest, you will reap what you've sown, amen? Praise the Lord. But our world wants everything now. We have instant everything. We even have microwave popcorn. We were camping this summer, and they got some of that Jiffy Pop popcorn, you know? 
the stuff you're supposed to shake back and forth over the stove like this. Do you remember those old days before you stuck it in a microwave and you shake it and you shake it so it doesn't burn and you shake it some more? And I remember that when I was a kid. No wonder everyone had solid arms back then. Nothing got flabby because you were doing this just to have a thing of popcorn. So they got some of those things and I forgot the shaking part. And I, I <laughs> so we got a, we were roasting some marshmallows and some weenies out on the uh, open pit fire. And I got the popcorn and I put it on the end of a stick and I just, Let Papa show you how they used to make popcorn when I was a kid. How many know the popcorn didn't end up popping? The popcorn turned into a burnt offering. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think the cardboard on the top caught on fire. There's flames coming up off of it. And there, there, was, there was no popcorn to be had that night. Papa didn't show them anything except for... You know, what happens when you ignore the investment that you need to make in order to get popcorn? <laughs> so much easier. Then we went inside, stick in the microwave. There, there you go, popcorn kids, right? Uh, you know, the, the reality is we want instant everything. We got TV dinners. We got, you know, we, <laughs> there's something I got to be honest with you. I've, I've never used, and, and I'm shocked every time I see it being used, and maybe... You, you love it and use it all the time. I don't know, but, but Uber eats and skip the dishes. I, hello. Like this is taking it to a whole new level. You know, at least when I did fast food, you had to leave your house, get in a car and drive to get the stuff. You know, there was, there was an investment of time, but now it's like, you know, you can just have it delivered to your house. I mean, how, you know, how, how much are we trying to circumnavigate the process? You know what I'm saying? You just, you just go to the, go get Uber Eats. It's, it's amazing, right? It's amazing. I've never used it, but my kids use it all the time. Uh, skip the dishes, all that kind of stuff. Just gets delivered right to your door, right? App just right to your door, right to your door. It's just incredible. But you know, it's all indicative of the culture we live in today. The culture we live in today is we want instant gratification. We want everything right now, and we don't want to have to put the investment in it to receive the harvest on it. Are making any sense? You know, you watch a TV program, you see a family click conflict or a national conflict, and it's resolved in a one-hour episode. Life doesn't work that way, right? It doesn't work that way. Or, or you say, well, sometimes it takes a whole season. Depends on the show, I guess. But, you know, episodic TV, if you guys remember that, where you, uh, one episode was a complete story, those kinds of shows. I mean, we resolved all kinds of world conflicts in, in, in one hour, all the time. You know, we have a, a mentality of wanting and expecting material blessings and advantages. This is a big one. And, and, and a lot of young families get into trouble this way. They, they want to be where their parents are at, and they're only in their 20s. And so they end up accruing, accruing is that the word? A, a lot of debt because they're trying to get where mom and dad are, and it took mom and dad 40 years to get there. But, but I want that. I want the house, the cottage, the boat, the snowmobile, the whatever. And, and you know what? I'm sorry, but it just doesn't work that way. But, and when you try to circumnavigate that process of time, you end up in a, in a whole heap of trouble. You know what I'm talking about? And so the whole concept of, you know, there's a season to sow and there's a season to reap is, is hard for a society that wants everything instantaneously. 
So we end up oftentimes spiritually in this, running ahead of the Lord. We end up, you know, we, we, we put some seed into the ground in someone's life or financially in an offering or whatever, and when we don't see the result in one or two weeks, we, we then get ahead of the Lord. We run ahead and we try to make something happen when God says, not yet. We just don't want to wait. So many times ministries get ahead of themselves because they're not willing to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. So that brings me to my last point this morning. This principle teaches us a thing. This principle of seed time and harvest, of we reap in a different season than we sow, teaches us a thing called patience. How many like patience? <laughs> See? Wow. Ooh, man, you think I just said, who likes the Toronto Maple Leafs? There was so much, whoa, in the crowd here this morning. My goodness, who likes patience? It seems like nobody does. Psalm 130, verse 5 and 6 says this. I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. The watchman's job was to keep look over the city to make sure it was safe from a night raid. And he yearned for the morning because then he could be relieved of his duty. But the psalmist is saying, I wait for the Lord even more than that. I, I'm willing to wait and stand at my post as I wait for the Lord. And I wait in hope, knowing that a better season's coming, but I wait for the Lord. Many Christians tend to operate on emotional sentiment rather than on biblical content. And so they have little or no faith to be able to sow and wait. The longer we have to wait, the weaker our faith seems to get. Sometimes you just have to wait. The Bible says, having done all to stand, what are you supposed to do? Stand. It's not a typographical error, the way it's worded. Having done all to stand, stand. Oh, he, he got the word in there twice. That was a mistake. He, he's made a mistake. Nope, it's not a grammatical error. He's saying, having done all to stand, stand. Everybody say stand. What does that word mean? It means to wait patiently, to, to root yourself in the word of God. Set your feet down and say, I'm going to wait and I shall not be moved, is what that word means. Stand. Stand. Hallelujah. Psalm 37, verse 7 and 9 says this, rest in the Lord. Whoa, there's something. What's the posture of the waiting person? Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. So in our waiting, we're not to fret we're not to worry, we're to rest. What are you doing? Just waiting for the Lord. How do you know he's going to come through? Because he said he would. When's he going to come through? Don't know. Just waiting for him. How do I wait? I stand firm and I rest. Now this is really hurting. Wow, you want me to stand firm, unwavering, and rest? I don't think I can do that. Oh, Stand and rest while I'm standing? Oh, that's just, your, what you say is impossible, pastor. But that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. Do not fret. Listen to this. Don't fret of him who prospers in his way because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. 
Cease from your anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil doing. So in other words, when you start worrying and fretting about it, that's when you're going to fall off the rails. It's going to lead you down a path of doing wrong. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, those who have patience, they will inherit the land. Wow. The law of the harvest says we sow in one season, but we reap in another. And sometimes that reaping season is a while. You got to wait. You just got to wait. You just got to wait. No harvest comes the moment the seed is planted. You have to wait for God's appointed time. Hallelujah. This is an encouragement for us this morning. Therefore, my beloved, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil, that your sowing, that your investment is not in vain in the Lord. In other words, it has not been a waste of effort. It's not in vain. There will be a return on your investment. Are you hearing me this morning? My goodness, you got to get a hold of this. Now, is this principle universal? There's an acceptance. Anything that is received by grace is not part of this principle. What do I mean by that? Well, salvation. Salvation. Jesus is the seed that went into the ground and died so that we could have life. But you don't have to wait 50 years to have that life. You can have it right now. He sowed it. It's yours today. Why? Because we get it by grace, right? This, these laws of the harvest do not pertain to the things that come by grace. Because if they did, then we would think that we work. We've made the investment to get it. No, no, no. We didn't make the investment to get salvation. It came by grace. Right? He made the investment. I receive it by grace. What else does that apply to? Talk, let's talk about healing. Now, health is the root of the law. If I eat right, get my sleep, exercise, then the law says, you know, that law of the harvest of seed time and harvest, I'll reap a healthy, robust life. Look at me. I'm an epitome uh, of humanity right here in front of you this morning. Why? Because my wife feeds me right, makes sure I get my rest. So I'm just, I'm, I'm 59, feel like I'm 39 until I'm chasing grandkids all week. And then I'm like, whoo, man, do I feel my age today? But you know, uh, but that's what I'm saying. So, you know, healthy lifestyle, it applies to the law, but healing when sickness, disease, affliction comes at me, I don't, I don't have to say, well, you know, if I just sow all the right stuff, maybe in 20 years, I'll receive my healing. No, no, no. I receive healing by what? grace. So I just have to say, Jesus, I need a touch from you right now in my body. And he says, here it is by his grace. Are you hearing me this morning? By his grace. You see, the principle is not here to undo grace. It's to walk beside grace. So I have health by following the law of the harvest, but I have healing by grace. Oh, come on now. Are you hearing me? I have financial stability by following the principle, by investing for retirement, by taking care of my finances, by not being stupid with my money. But I have financial rescue by his grace. There are many times that by his grace, he comes in, and even though we've been a fool, God, by his grace, comes in, and he, he saves the day. But he, says, but he says, go back now and follow the principles. Hello? So I was set free in every way, by his grace, right? 
my soul, my finances, my health, everything. But now he says, go, go and sin no more. In other words, go and live a life according to my law of the harvest. Am I making any sense this morning? Hello? Wow. Praise the Lord. You see, if, if healing was only by this law and it wasn't by grace, then we would get to thinking that healing comes about by our work and our investment. It would become a works gospel. And it's not a works gospel. If salvation came only by the law of this harvest principle, then we, again, think it's a works gospel. But it's not. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's that not of yourselves. It's a gift. Everybody say gift. Yeah. Gift of God. So nobody gets to brag. Nobody gets to boast. Right? But then the next verse talks about this law again. Verse 10. For you are his workmanship. Ephesians 2.10. Created by Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. So in other words, sow as he intended you to sow. And there will be a harvest on that seed. Oh my goodness. This is, you got to get this in your spirit, folks. Changes everything when you recognize this is the way God works. Hallelujah. God does not save us because we sowed the right seeds. He doesn't heal us because we sowed either. We experience these things by grace. They were purchased by Jesus, by his investment. And then I get to reap it by grace. But many other things in life, from money to relationships, anything that grows operates according to the laws of the harvest. Are you hearing me? My salvation doesn't grow. I'm just saved. My, my, how many know I can't be any more saved today than I was yesterday? So that comes by grace. But my maturity, that comes by investment and growth. Are you seeing the difference, right? All right, I'm making some sense here to people. Some, three people get it anyway. Hallelujah. <laughs> Law three. You reap in a different season than you sow. I want to close with an illustration from Scripture for those that have sown some seed and, and you're growing weary. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6 is a Scripture that's a strange Scripture. Hard for us to understand in our modern world because we don't operate. Not, how, many, how many farmers do we have here this morning? But raise your hand nice and high. How many farmers? How many were farmers? Let me see your hands. Put them up nice and high. How many, how many people were farmers? What, three, four? Exactly. So it's a little hard sometimes, the biblical illustrations of seed time and harvest. But listen to this verse. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6. It says, Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. This is a strange scripture because we think, why would they have tears when they're sowing? I don't understand. Well, it's because when you live and your life is hinges completely on a harvest, which is not really the case for the vast majority of our world today, this is a tough scripture because you see, if, there's, if famine comes in the land, if harshness came in the land, then the very seed, the bags of seed that you have in the, in the barn that are waiting for sowing season could be your lifeline for food nourishment today. But you've got to sow them in the ground for a hope of a harvest tomorrow. And so I can just see a farmer whose family is 
they're just right on the edge. They're, they're, they're living day to day and they've got so little to survive on. And, they, and the son comes running in and he says, Papa, Papa. He said, we're saved. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, I found bags of seed, uh, of, of grain in the barn. We just have to make, grind it down. We've got bread. And the father has to say, no, son, we can't eat that. That's to be sown. And then while the son is crying for hung, out of hunger and saying, but I'm hungry, Papa, he's out there in the field in tears, sowing the seed harvest comes on that seed. And there's a lot of times that you've sown and you've sown and you've sown and you said, Lord, where's the return on that harvest I've sown? And, and you're, you're broken sometimes right to the point of tears. But God says to you this morning, don't worry. I see every seed in the ground and there will be a harvest on that seed. There'll be a harvest on that seed. And there's sometimes that we've had to sow, and we've had to give up time, we've had to give up money, we've had to give up, uh, you know, our, so many things that we could have enjoyed in the immediate so that we could have a future. God says, I see every investment, every investment. If we could just get hold of this, it would change our lives and liberate us today. It's a hard verse for us in our urban world today, but this is the truth of Scripture. Sometimes we have to deny ourselves and our flesh today and sow so that we reap a harvest tomorrow. We have to do it for the sake of our children and our children's children. That's why I said, was it last Sunday? I said, I don't like that bumper sticker that says spending my grandkids' inheritance. Biblically, I have an obligation to help them be better off than I was to invest in them, to make sure that they have a future and a hope. Amen? And if we would think that way, think generationally, instead of just today, we'll change the world. Change the world. Amen. Let's stand with me this morning. If you're today in this place and you've sown some seed in the ground, and you're saying, Lord, I'm just, I'm weary waiting for my harvest. I'm weary Ask God to give you more patience. Wait patiently for it. Stand. Find the word. Find a scripture. Find something that speaks to your situation and the word of God and stand on it. And wait patiently. Because God, who has promised, the scripture says, is faithful. Faithful. He's faithful. And there will be a harvest on that seed. Sometimes, but I also this morning want to, in conclusion, say don't confuse, don't confuse things that are achieved by grace by, with things that are achieved by sowing and reaping. If you're here this morning and you need a healing in your body, it's here this morning by grace. If you're here this morning and you need a miracle in a relationship and you're saying, God, I need healing in this relationship, it's here by grace. If you're saying, I've never come to you before, Lord, I'm burdened and overweighted with my, my life and my sin and my heaviness, and, 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 and I don't know what to do. God says, you're here, and, and, and salvation is by grace. He says, by grace, take a hold of what I have for you today. Jesus' white life was sown so that you can have by grace. Amen? So I want you to just... This morning, if you have one of those needs in any of those areas, just put your hand up. Just put your hand up and hold it nice and high. Yeah. And if you see someone with a hand up this morning, would you just go and agree with them in prayer? If you just, just put a hand on their shoulder, wherever they are this morning in the auditorium, that's it. Just go, go with them and agree with them in prayer.
you're standing beside somebody and their hands up and your hands up, then just both of you just hold your hands up together in prayer this morning. Father, we're united together in prayer this morning. Lord, we are coming to you today either because we've got seed in the ground and we haven't seen the harvest on it yet. And we're saying, God, I, I need your grace. I need your patience. I need you, Lord, to help me as I wait patiently for it. But Father, we may also be raising our hand today because there's something that we're in need of today that doesn't, isn't the fruit of sowing and reaping, but it's the fruit of grace. Lord, it may be a healing that we need today. Maybe salvation need today. We may be forgiveness and, and, and in, in a relationship we need today. God, it comes by your incredible grace. And Father, we raise our hands today. We take a hold of your grace, Lord. And we say, Father, thank you that Jesus gave his life so that I could have by grace, by your incredible mercy. Oh, Father, so much, so much forgiveness, so much love, so much healing, so much restoration by your amazing grace. And Father, we receive today, right now in Jesus' name, just begin to receive today. Say, Father, I receive. I receive by your grace. Forgiveness. Healing. Mercy. I receive it by your grace. Now help me today, Lord. Having received by grace to live by the law of the harvest. To sow good and reap a bountiful harvest in Jesus' name. Oh, give the Lord praise this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, mighty God. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your incredible grace. And thank you, Lord, that God, you have principles at work in the earth that if we'll live by them, we will benefit from them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, I would encourage you. Here's one of the areas where, uh, you know, we have a, a tie between sowing and reaping is that if we will sow in prayer for harvest and for breakthrough, I believe we'll reap from that. Amen. So, you know, I would encourage you to come out. I know there's lots of stuff, beautiful weather you could do Tuesday night first Tuesday of the month, but if you'll come here for prayer and we'll join our hearts together, I believe that God is going to move. We have seen such a breakthrough in this house and people getting saved and everything since January because we gather on for prayer on a Saturday night at six o'clock. And somebody said, why in the world are you doing it at six o'clock? It was simple. Uh, during football season in January, we had games starting at seven. So we, we, uh, so the, uh, the brainchild of, of Mark and, and, and the staff was like, we should do it at six because then we wouldn't miss the football game afterwards. All about priorities, I understand. But, but six o'clock is where it's landed and we gather together for six and we have a great time just believing God for breakthrough on Sunday. And, and that's all we pray for. We pray for service. We put the names of everybody who's ministering up on the board. We, we lay hands on the seats. We just pray for God to move in a special way on Sunday. So if you're free on a Saturday at six, come on out. We'd love to have you here as well. Tuesday for corporate prayer. Once a month, we gather together. We're going to pray for the sick. We'll pray for healing. We'll pray for our missionaries. We'll pray for anything that moves. We'll pray for it on Tuesday night, seven o'clock. Lord bless you. Have an amazing week in him. Thanks for being with us.